the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. From policy to culture, principles to politics, this is The Seth Liebson Show. Welcome back as we head into Hour 3. It's a delight to bring back to the show Stanley Kurtz, who is a senior fellow at the Ethics and Public Policy Center. He is a contributing editor at National Review Online. And he has a brand new piece out at National Review, Neo-Marxing the College Board with AP African Studies. We'll get into that in a moment. I just want the audience to know this is our one man, Paul Revere, uh, trying to warn and save higher education in America. Everything he has done uh, for the past at least decade when it comes to higher education is important, critical, worth reading. The degree we're going to save higher education in America is the degree to which uh, we listen to and learn from Stanley Kurtz. Stanley, welcome back to the Airwaves of Phoenix. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I, You know, I said you are a, um, a Paul Revere trying to save higher education. And it, before I get to your piece, I suppose I'd like to ask you a, bigger, a big question as I stumble over saying what I said. Is higher education at this point worth saving? I don't want to put you out of a job, but you get my point. <laughs> Well, on the one hand, um, I do think that one thing we ought to try to do is is to have fewer people go into higher education. There's uh, really no reason why we can't have more people go into the workforce. And one way to do that, say, would be to have apprenticeships, uh, which they have in Europe, by the way. Um, we could we could move a lot of people into work through apprenticeships, and then they wouldn't be going through these years of indoctrination. But that said, it remains the case that many, many people are and will continue to go to colleges and universities, and particularly the people who end up running the legal system, the political system, the business system, are going to be spending time in higher education even if you develop uh, apprenticeships and alternative pathways. So we can't give up on trying to change the academy. There's just no way to escape it. I agree with you on not giving up. I think that's right and ultimately where I come down. But I do have to tell you, and I don't know if you're sympathetic to this or or not, either way, fine. Up until about, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight years ago, I always believed in credentialing up. Uh, you and I are kind of creatures of of academia uh, with our terminal degrees in it. And um, and I have to tell you, lately, past several years, I have uh, had to choke a little bit when parents ask me if I think uh, their kids should go to this school or that. I often will help kids with their uh, admissions essays and stuff just as a volunteer. I, I choke on it a little bit. I just, I'm not so sure anymore. Well, I'm sympathetic uh, to what you're saying for sure. It's a dilemma. I mean, my... I have a parallel dilemma when <laughs> when young conservatives come to me and ask if they should go into try to go into academia yeah. to be professors right. or right. whatnot. Right. And I'm caught between, on the one hand, wanting there to be more conservatives in the professorate, and on the other hand, 
thinking uh, this person is about to play Russian roulette with their life. Yeah, I, yeah. You know? No, that's right. And this it, does this, by the way, explain some of the um, growth of the conservative think tank community, PhDs uh, who work, happen to be conservative or just maybe happen to want to study, I don't know, um, Plato or Aristotle. They really had nowhere else to go. Is is that partially uh, explanatory of the growth of, of conservative think tanks or, or is something else going on here? Oh, no, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, so many... I sometimes say that Washington, D.C. is the greatest conservative uh, university yeah. in the country yeah. because the think tanks are filled with refugees from academia who've been locked out. And there's a famous saying that think tanks are universities without students. Mm. But the problem is they're without students. And so well, you can get the conservatives in there who have been trained in the academy and then driven out by the bias that has taken over, but how are you going to recreate a new generation of thoughtful conservatives if you can't have students? And so this is the dilemma. It is a huge dilemma because what some of these think tanks have done uh, is they've created, uh, a lot of them have created uh, summer programs, several week or even a couple month long programs where I think the students learn more than they do in three years of poli sci at most universities. But on the other hand, it's not really the credential that gets you um, a job or an appointment, right? Not usually. Right. No, I agree with all of that. I mean, it, uh, these programs, these summer programs, and some of them run during the year uh-huh. as, as a part-time program, yeah. uh, they're excellent. And um, I don't know all of them, but I know some of them fairly intimately, and I'm very impressed by them, and I think they do great work. But of course, uh, while that while that will churn out a fair number of conservatives to go and write for magazines right. and and be parts of right. you know policy making apparatuses, uh, it's still. I mean, we're still the numbers are minuscule yeah. in comparison to what's happening at the universities as a whole. Yeah. So we we just have to fight that battle. All right. Well, let's talk about the specifics that drew me to uh, my giving you a phone call here. Um, you've got your eyes fixed on on, on a new issue. Neil Marksing the college board with AP African Studies. Let's first uh, help help out uh, the audience that may not be familiar with with some of the terms here. What is the college board and what is AP Studies? The college board is the organization that runs the SAT test, which is the test you have to take when you're a high school student to get into college. And they also run the Advanced Placement Testing Program, And advanced placement tests, in some cases, will get you college credit. If you say you take AP U.S. history, and in the old days, colleges had U.S. history requirements. And so you didn't have to take the requirement if you got a sufficiently high score on the AP test. Nowadays, the top colleges um, won't give you credit, but they will scrutinize your application. And if you have three, four, five, even six AP courses which are harder courses right. than your normal course, then that will help to get you into the top wow. schools. So the College Board does have a competitor, the ACT, on the, on the SAT test, the, the general test yep. to get into school. But when it comes to these achievement tests, tests in particular subject areas, the College Board has a monopoly, and 
it, that didn't matter too much for many years right. because the College Board more or less let the teacher in the high school teach it however they wanted, as long as you do, you know could do re- relatively well on the exam. But now the College Board has started to use and abuse its monopoly power by putting out curricula for its courses, and the curricula are all written by leftist professors. And, of course, they they import the most extreme leftist bias that we see in higher education down to the K-12 level. That's really um, the eye-opener here. I mean, I th- I think over the last couple of years, parents were shocked about how much of this was going on at the K-12 or elementary and secondary level. But, you know, of course, it's just feeding what the college wants, right? That's always, always, almost always been the case, right, where the uh, high school high school curricula is kind of training towards where they know and what they know the colleges are going to want to see or what to prepare you for the SAT. So it's almost a, is it fair to call it a vicious cycle? One one left hand is reinforcing the other in a way, right? It is. It's true. That's true. But but it, one can also legitimately say that in some sort of red states and red districts, there there's enough resistance at the high school level because high schools are controlled by state governments right. and by local governments. Right. There's enough resistance there that that the worst of what happens in college is avoided at the high school level. Not all the time, and it, it gets more and more sort of taken over, so to speak, by the usual leftist claptrap over time, but still, there's been some resistance. So if you can, as the college board, uh, start to give the full, the full leftist treatment to the most advanced students through these AP courses, and upwards of um, 38, 39, 40 percent of high school students take at least one advanced placement course before they graduate, and of course many take more than one, and the ones who go to the elite colleges take the most. So this is a way to reach in and and uh, control the education uh, nationally uh, of, of the people who will be most likely to be controlling American culture into the future. Thank you, Stanley. Stanley Kurtz is our guest. I want to drill into uh, what he's getting at directly, Neil Marxing the college with AP African Studies, what it is he's talking about, what this curricula and agenda is, what this scholarship, if you can call it that, is uh, when we come right back. As we go to break, let me put in a word for balance of nature, which I take every single day. Pure potent plant power boosts your energy, boosts your health, boosts your immunity. One daily dose gives you a blend of 16 whole fruits and 15 whole vegetables. Best product I've ever taken. You take it once a day, you are good to go. Balanceofnature.com. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. It's a delight to have Stanley Kurtz with us. He is a senior fellow at the Ethics and Public Policy Center, EPPC.org. Uh, where you can uh, learn more about him and many of his other books. I think the most important one, uh, which is actually free and available uh, to you, uh, to anyone who wants to download it, is The Lost History of Western Civilization. But his piece today in National National Review, Neil Marxing, the College Board with AP African Studies. Stanley, we are um, we have probably been hesitant for many years to label certain 
uh, political movements or uh, certain uh, political teachings, academic uh, approaches, Marxist. Um, there is no reason for that hesitation anymore. They're not even hiding it. They're not even ashamed of it anymore. And that's what you're finding here. Fair, fair to say? Well, that's true, Seth. Um, with the one proviso, <laughs> if you take the course, you'll hear about Marx, that's for sure. But they're still clever enough uh-huh. in the curriculum they've created for it to make it difficult to figure that out. <laughs> so they're hiding it from conservatives like us who could uh, spoil their plans. But once the student gets in there, they'll hear about old Karl Marx, that's for sure. I, I like that you, you gave that emendation because uh, this new, as you call it, sweeping effort is uh, is basically being kept under wraps. Uh, they've withheld, as you write, the course's curriculum framework from the public, but you did get a copy. They hate it when we see what they're up to. They hate that, but I'm glad you did. Uh, tell us what they're up to, Stanley. Well, this is uh, the first AP course <clears throat> in African-American studies, and that is significant not only because it's an important subject area, but because one of the things that has destroyed a higher education is the proliferation of these so-called studies programs. Right. So we're not just talking about um, African-American studies, we're talking about Latino studies, and we're talking about women's studies and gender studies, Native American studies, environmental studies. Now, one can certainly make an argument that all of those areas are worth studying, but these so-called studies programs tend not to be um, neutral or objective academic inquiry-based. Instead, they, they're they really um, ideological um, factories uh, where they're indoctrinating students in a very particular leftist point of view. And so the College Board has this excuse that it's trying to create a high school course that will give you college uh, credit if you pass it. And so they can say, and that means what we should do is have exactly what's in the college courses. And what's in the college course is actually leftist indoctrination. And so what I discovered uh, when I read this curriculum was that it's leftist indoctrination of a very extreme kind. But you you can't tell that right away. It isn't just that the that the um, curriculum uh, has been kept secret. But even when you look at it, it doesn't immediately jump at, out at you and say this is a sort of socialist um, uh, curriculum. What it does is list a lot of uh, gibberish uh, with neutral-sounding phrases, and then it lists some people to be read. Right. And when you actually read them, then you see that they're recommending that the students become uh, activist leftist radicals. But it's not until you go out and who's going to take the time uh, to actually read uh, all of what's in there. But once you do, that's exactly what you see. Right. That's that's well put. And and so it's not as if we're saying uh, in these study courses to be even, you have to have a book or the book by Thomas Sowell. But what we are saying is it's interesting Thomas Sowell's book would never be allowed into this curriculum, much like Tim Scott would not be allowed in the Congressional Black Caucus. There's there's some of that going on. A- anything I say you disagree with, you, of course, Oh, feel no, free. that's exactly okay. right. I, and in fact, there isn't any leftist tract that is assigned in the current course that I would categorically say 
can never be taught. All I would say is, if you're going to teach uh, a Marxist perspective on on African Americans, then maybe you should teach Thomas Sowell as well, or Glenn Lowry, or any one of a number of very thoughtful black conservatives. And then it's not indoctrination anymore. It's allowing the students uh, to make their own choices. I, even as I say this, Stanley, this is hard to describe. It's almost um, it's almost an unfair uh, or an inapt comparison to say, okay, what you're reading from these AP African American studies could be counterbalanced with Thomas Sowell. That's actually, in a way, I, I struggle with that one because we're talking Franz Fanon versus Thomas Sowell. We're talking a Marxist revolutionary who advocates for violence versus a very traditional kind of, uh, yes, conservative uh, economist, but not someone who's a, a violent revolutionary. Tell us about this, friends, if, if, if what I'm saying makes sense. It's almost sure. it's almost a, an imbalance, an 80-20 of some kind. But tell us about Franz Fanon. This, this one, boy, people just have no idea about what this guy actually taught or wrote. Well, again, this course is very extreme, but the extreme has become common right. on college that's campuses. It, and it. there's an author named Franz Fanon. He was a psychiatrist born in Martinique in the Caribbean, but who then uh, moved to um, Algeria and was there during the um, battle against uh, to throw France out of uh, out of Africa. Right, and um, he propagated a theory which essentially said uh, we need to have an anti-colonial revolution, not only because we want our independence, but because the only way that black Africans can feel a kind of self-respect is by going out there and doing violence, frankly, to uh, to white colonialists. Yeah. And, uh, and this is a very popular text on the left. It is historically significant. Yeah. Uh, but it's frightening,ly radical. It it uh, seethes with a hatred of America and Western civilization, and it was used as a kind of um, inspiration for uh, the Black Panthers and the radical Maoist revolutionary groups in the United States in the '60s and the '70s. And this course teaches about the history of all those groups and how they were inspired by Fanon. So it's really a course that lionizes and goes back to all of the most extreme political, potentially at least violent revolutionaries in, in, uh, at the height of the 60s and 70s without any counterbalance from uh, even black liberals much less black conservatives. Yeah. And, and I went and I read, I didn't mention this in the piece, but if you read the work of, of the people who are assigned in the latter part of the course, you will see that they deeply, deeply have problems with Obama. Uh, hold that thought, Stanley. This is big, uh, if you don't mind. I want to p- pick up on that when we come right back, if I may. Let me uh, put in a word for our sponsors at Y-Refi. If you're looking for a remarkable investment opportunity, check out my friends at Y-Refi. They're offering a fixed no-load interest rate up to 10.25% return for investors, all in a secure and collateralized portfolio. Y-Refi is made up of investors who do very well by doing good for others. You can be a part of that, too. It's a due diligence-approved firm. And you can check them out at investyrefi.com. The word invest, the letter Y, R-E-F-Y, 
Com. I'm Seth Liebson. He's Stanley Kurtz. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Stanley Kurtz is our guest, senior fellow at the Ethics and Public Policy Center, a frequent writer at National Review. His piece at National Review, Neil Marxing, the college board with AP African American Studies. Stanley, I want to return to Franz Fanon or Fanon in a moment, um, but you were on to something. Uh, you were about to say something really interesting on the way to the break there about this new crop of scholarship and Barack Obama. Right, Seth. The, the, many of the authors who are assigned in this um, AP African American Studies course, if you, if you look at their readings, they really don't like Obama because in their, they understand that he had a radical orientation, but in their view, it's just wrong to try to work within the system. Right. Uh, and if you work within the uh, mainstream political system, uh, including the Democratic Party, you're, in their view, you're bound to get co-opted by what they call neoliberalism, which just means the free enterprise system, <laughs> capitalism, whatever you want to call it. And the point for these people is to fight against that. And so they see Obama as a real danger because he uh, inspires and is admired uh, by so many uh, American blacks, and of course American whites as well, but um, so many American blacks, that um, this, in the view of these radicals, kind of lures the potential to lure people away from the kind of uh, rad- truly radical, socially revolutionary action that they ought to be taking. So that's just an index of how far left these people are. Yeah, let's um, let's spend a second on that, because this is the thing I think maybe a lot of parents or others are, are, are slow to grasp or, or, or are unaware of. But if you're reading uh, Franz Fanon, uh, not even as, you know, objective, but if you take him seriously, his work seriously, which these scholars do, you are reading the justification and defense, as you put it, for revolution, but for violent revolution, the idea of self-awareness and self-actualization through violence. It is the justification that I, I suppose the intellects uh, would, 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 would justify, oh, I don't know, Black Panther riots, BLM riots, um, uh, any kind of Arab terrorist kind of, of violence comes out of this thought and set of theories. I mean, it is serious if you take it seriously, which they do. It's not just understanding thought. It's, it's you know, uh, propagating this thought. That's 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 how you end up with these justifications for violence, I think. Well, you're right, Seth. It's it's uh, it's complicated by the fact that some of the most contemporary authors are they're cautious yep. and they're careful yep. not to say it too overtly. Right. So instead, they say, you know, read Fanon and right. read the way in which Fanon inspired these early radicals. They don't necessarily say it themselves, but there are there are things that are said. So I'll give you an example. There's someone I didn't have time to talk about in the article. Uh, I may mispronounce her name. Her name is uh, Kianga Yamahata Taylor, I think. It's, okay. it's a hyphenated last name. Uh-huh. She writes for The New Yorker and other. And she uh, is assigned in the unit on Black Lives Matter. And um, she has a long article in The New Yorker on the George Floyd riots. And her approach is, is the opposite of the sort of infamous clip from CNN 
where they said these are mostly yeah, peaceful right. demonstrations with right. the fires in the background. Right. No, she's the opposite. She, call, she calls the riots rebellions yep. uh, and insurrections and revolutions or whatever, maybe not revolution, but she uses words that, that treat the riots as a kind of legitimate political yeah. expression. And, of course, she's careful to say, well, it can move in dangerous directions and we're not sure about this and that, but... It's obvious that she's doing everything in her power to treat the, even the violent part of the riots as some kind of legitimate political expression while still protecting herself from accusations of uh, directly inciting violence. And, and, and so, you know, what is a student going to think when they read Franz Fanon in the beginning of the class and then they read, you know, Yamada Taylor yep. in the in the last part wow. of the class, they're gonna they're gonna make that link, right? Absolutely. Do you have time for one more segment? You've been generous with your time. Sure. Do you? Do you have time for one more? Oh yes. Because I want to pick up on something. I really want people to pay attention to this. You go into one of these scholars, Robin Kelly, Robin uh, D. G. Kelly. What I want people to understand is that this all this no all these notions that we got used to a few years ago perhaps with Donald Trump's election somewhere around 2016 end of 2016 this notion that students needed safe spaces and that we re- need to rename campus buildings not anywhere close to far enough that's what's interesting. we thought that was a stretch and a push we thought that was weird we thought those were head scratchers not even close folks Stanley uh, Kurtz and I will be right back Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. First of all, a big thanks to Stanley Kurtz, who has been uh, with us this hour, uh, senior fellow at the Ethics and Public Policy Center. We're talking about his piece, uh, Neil Marxing, the college board with AP African American Studies. Make sure you understand when we say Marxing, M-A-R-X is what we're talking about. Um, Stanley, uh, this one scholar who's involved here, Robin D.G. Kelly, uh, has an essay, Black Study, Black Struggle. And what we're learning from this, what you've learned from this, is this notion of just renaming buildings or schools, um, safe spaces, uh, study centers, study curriculum. It's not enough. It's not enough. This is a war against the society we're in right now that they're arguing for, isn't it? Absolutely, Seth. Uh, Kelly's a very interesting fellow. He also, like Yamada Taylor, is cagey. He doesn't come out and say, you must start a violent revolution. But he stops just short of that. He basically says to the students, you know, you really need to think about uh, paying less attention to your psychological well-being and protecting yourself with safe spaces and more about stepping outside of the university community and working toward a fundamental transformation of the United States and the capitalist system. Right. He doesn't specify, you know, you must use violent tactics, but he does then hark back to the 60s and the 70s and all of the radical organizations of that time. So to some degree, the students can try to connect the dots, if you know what I mean. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> but he's basically uh, saying, you know, you're pampering yourself. He, he's, he tries to be as nice as he can because sure. he's a lie, but he says, essentially, you're pampering yourself. Get out there and, and uh, completely change the system and stop resting comfortably in your in your dorms. I, I, I don't know if this is a perfect analogy, but I seem to recall a couple uh, months after Martin Luther King was killed, 
Stokely Carmichael was talking about how King wanted a seat at the table, whereas he said, we're here to knock the legs out from under the table. And uh, again, the analogy isn't perfect because I think most of us would think that King wasn't actually arguing for anything that radical, to be honest with you. But the point was going along with the system we have right now, a mere change of law isn't going to do it. These people, they want to upend the entire structure. This is Marxist revolutionary work. This is what they are teaching. And they're teaching it, Stanley, is it fair to say, like uh, like uh, like the, the, the Marxist Paulo Freire was, was kind of uh, instructing in the late 60s and early 70s when, when he was all the rage, and I think still is in the, in the education schools, which is teaching really is supposed to be in this mindset, in this framework of thinking, teaching really is supposed to be a revolutionary activity. Not revolution in the mind, but revolutionary inspiring in the society. Well, that's right, Seth, uh, particularly now, and again, uh, I haven't researched every yeah, person no. behind this course, but I did look into the, the writings uh-huh. of the scholar who was in charge of the curriculum in the final part of the course, which is the most radical part, and yeah. he really does believe that um, uh, black studies courses should indeed be focused on political agitation and agitation with the goal of transforming society and specifically eliminating capitalism and uh, so and he's and by the way when you gave your Stokely Carmichael example you were dead on because this is again this is the topic of the course is that uh, you're supposed to study the black power movement right. and the whole idea is to not as an anthropological exercise friend, right not as an anthropological exercise <laughs> right, right, right 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 to be inspired right, by it right to do whatever the current version of that is and should be. You know, again, they leave it vague, but they basically say this is what was going on back then, and this is the sort of thing you ought to be doing now. You know, yes, make it tactically clever and don't overshoot the mark and make it relevant to the current time, but this is what you're really trying to recreate in some sense. I uh, only have a couple minutes left with you, Stanley. I wonder if you might address yourself to this uh, controversial, uh, poignant uh, question, which is, end of day, um, you know, we happen to think that the norms of civil liberties and free speech and academic expansiveness and freedom of inquiry and academic freedom are important uh, for a whole host of reasons, good in themselves, good for the students, good for, the, good for those who, who crave and thirst for knowledge. At the end of the day, though, this kind of instruction, this kind of um, this kind of direct advocacy in the name of pedagogy, don't you think at the end of the day, Stanley, is it fair to say it's doing these students a disservice? It's it's at the end of the day, these students are being misdirected and miseducated. Oh, I totally agree. And of course, free speech doesn't mean that you have to agree with the speech. But I actually think that it's these people are the ones who are censoring yeah. because they intentionally and systematically leave out not only conservatives but liberals yeah. and so in order to indoctrinate they have to silence other points of view and again i don't advocate there's no no single reading in here that i would say should never appear in a course as Correct. long as it's balanced right right so students can make their own minds up uh so so i think one can be against this kind of course uh, completely consistently 
with classically liberal norms. The classically liberal norms are being rejected by these folks, and very explicitly, mm-hmm. they specifically say that the uh, ideas of the academy of objectivity, which includes the, uh, the whole idea of having balancing points of view to let you decide, they say we reject that yep. in favor of political agitation. So they're really the ones who are censoring. Stanley, um, I'm so glad you're doing this work. Uh, it's so important. I um, I love every time you publish to put this out on the radio because I think it's important for parents to uh, know. Grandparents, too, increasingly interested in their grandchildren's uh, higher education. So let me just, you know, on behalf of a grateful uh, reader of yours and hopefully a grateful country, say thank you to you, Stanley. You're doing great work, and I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Seth. Thanks uh, for having me on. As always, I'm Seth Liebson. And we will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. And thanks for spending some of your afternoon uh, with us. That uh, discussion with Stanley Kurtz about higher education and the goings on, the Marxizing of, uh, of uh, African-American studies AP um, in, in, um, in our curriculum now is a a fight that's been going on really since the 60s when you started seeing the development of these ethnic studies programs. I'm with Stanley. I think, you know, feel free, obviously, more than obviously, uh, to pursue any angle of study you want if it's an ethnicity. I mean, the whole field of anthropology, ethnography, sociology, international relations – even literature requires, obviously, the study of cultures outside your own, etc. But when we started creating these centers specifically based on race uh, in the 1960s, we started tending towards something quite dangerous that we are now seeing, based on what you heard with Stanley, the fruition uh, coming uh, of age. Uh, in, in in the 60s, when Claremont uh, Men's College, now Claremont McKenna, was debating having a African-American uh, studies program, uh, it was because, as the, as the students were saying, we're tired of a white college that gives a white education, to which Harry Jaffa went to the board of trustees and said, what does it mean to give a white education? Do we teach white mathematics or white economics or white biology or white physics or, for that matter, white political science? Is there anything in Plato's Republic that indicated it was white justice Socrates was seeking to define? Was there anything in the Nicomachean Ethics to indicate it was white happiness that Aristotle sought as the summum bonum? Was there anything in Locke's Second Treatise to indicate that taxation without representation was unjust only for whites? You take the point, I hope, but then again, back to the beginning, as Karl Marx put it, philosophers have hitherto interpreted the world, and the point is to change it. And they are. Don't let them. God bless you all. Until Seth Leibson, I'll see you tomorrow. Class dismissed. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.